1: morning welcome in happy march this is fantasy sports today craig mitch along with frank Stample here on sports grid great to be back with you on monday happy monday hope you guys had a good weekend we're ready to kick it off with a lot of baseball talk fantasy talk and of course sports wagering talk here on sports grid for sure no doubt we got chris pavona producing the show coming up in a couple of minutes sean guastamacchia is going to take over with a sports grid update we'll also hear from frank stampel who is in the FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey. We'll have all that and more here on the show. Uh, Coming up tomorrow, we're gonna start getting into our team previews. We thought it'd be better to wait a little bit into March just to kind of see the landscape, see where things are. So tomorrow we'll begin that trek as we get ready for your draft. But make no mistake about it, folks, the time is now. And I think that the the delaying is over at this point. Um, It's time for those of you who are into baseball, who are getting ready for baseball. Once I think we turn that clock to March, And you're talking about opening day coming up on March 26th. For those of you who are playing in any kind of format, it's time to go. Now, for me personally, over the weekend, I had a chance to travel to St. Petersburg, Florida, which is approximately three and a half, four-hour drive for me. Not that bad. And participated in the League of Alternative Baseball Reality 12-team mixed-league auction. So those of you who are doing an auction this coming draft season, this show is Probably for you, because we're going to go through my team, some of my hits, some of my misses, and, of course, everything that is going on in uh, fantasy baseball. Also recap everything that's going on on the field as far as injuries are concerned. A lot more issues to pitchers. It seems like that's been the predominant story over the first month of camp. And, of course, the Yankees continue to just pile up these injuries. This is two years in a row now that although nothing seems to be very long-term outside of the Severino injury, we still have some questions regarding some of their offense as well. So with all that being said, what we'll do is we'll take a quick timeout. We'll turn it over to Sean Guastamacchia for the update on everything going on in all of sports, including the NBA college basketball. And then Frank and I will be back to kick off our baseball talk for the day. This is Sports Grid, and here's Sean Guastamachia.
2: Thank you, Greg. I'm Sean Guasamacchia with your Sports Grid News update. MLB News, in an interview with the Toronto Star, Blue Jays closer Ken Giles, who won a championship ring with the 2017 Houston Astros, said he would give up the championship ring if asked. Quote, whatever they ask, I would oblige, Giles said, because what was going on at the time was not okay, end quote. Japanese baseball season might be delayed due to the coronavirus outbreak. Japanese baseball commissioner Atsushi Saito said protecting fans, players, and coaches was critical. Preseason games have been played in empty stadiums with the hope that the regular season can begin as scheduled on March the 20th. 13 spring training games on the slate today, which begins at 1.05 p.m. Eastern time. NFL news, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, the Jaguars expect to use the franchise tag on defensive end Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe played four seasons in Jacksonville, recording 37 and a half sacks. According to Schefter, the tag will cost approximately $19.3 million this upcoming season. And also, according to sources, the Bengals plan to use the franchise tag on wide receiver A.J. Green if no long-term deal can be reached. NBA news, you guys talked about it earlier. The New York Knicks officially announced Leon Rose as the team's new president. Rose replaces reassigned steve mills as president and he was quoted in his statement today saying quote i will do my utmost to make the fans the city and ownership proud that is leon rose the new commissioner uh the new president rather of the new york knicks announced officially today that's your sports grid news update for this hour now back to fantasy sports today with craig mish and frank stempel guys
1: all right, thanks very much Sean. As we continue on here on the show, we got you from uh, 11 to 1 Eastern today on this Monday and we're uh, in Frank Stanfield now who is live at the FanDuel Sportsbook in New Jersey. Good morning, Frank. What's going on?
3: What's going on, Craig? Live from the FanDuel Sportsbook over at the Meadowlands as you mentioned. Now normally I kick things off telling you about the weather. I normally say it's a beautiful day. It is actually a beautiful day. We're going to approach 60 degrees here today in the New Jersey, New York area. So uh, that's big news for us. I know for you, you've been dealing with the frozen tundra that is Florida. uh, But this weekend was a fun one outside of more pitcher injuries. I know that you had the labor draft as well, so I'm looking forward to talking about that. How's everything with you, Craig? Everything is fine.
1: Uh, You know, just uh, you know plugging along here. I've had some computer issues, some hacking issues, all kinds of things really just – putting my demise in over the weekend. And uh, first time I was ever hacked by anything or anyone. It is a uh, scary experience for sure. I've recovered basically everything at this point, except for my own Twitter. So if anybody has any suggestions as to how uh, I am supposed to do that, please let me know. So we're going on uh, about 48 hours now of me not being able to tweet anything, so. Uh, Hopefully we'll be able to handle it from our sports grid accounts and everything else, Frank. But all I can say is my recommendation is as follows. And it's a long story. Maybe we'll we'll do it at some point this week once I get my Twitter back. But I will say this. Just make sure. And uh, I thought I had a pretty secure system and a pretty secure, like, emails, usernames, passwords, two-factor authentication. I thought I had good enough. I did not have it good enough. When you have a lot of followers on Twitter, Frank, uh, that's the good news. The bad news is is that you're a target for somebody else. And... uh, that's what happened.
3: Yeah, maybe we should just use the whole three-up, three-down segment. All three of your trending down topics, Craig, uh, is we just could. you telling the story about how you got hacked on Twitter. So if we want to make that I'm gonna happen. I'm going to save it. Uh, I'm save it. i want to save
1: it. I want to get my Twitter back first to tell the entire story with the fear that right. anything that I say, maybe they'll – I mean, trust me, it is a, a very wild one as to what happened and how I got most of everything back. But we'll save it for uh, for another day. We'll save it for another day. I'm not ready yet to, to get into it just yet. But I'm. The good news is is that anything personally I have is all uh, set. But I guess just this is the longest period of time I haven't had Twitter. Uh, there was actually about a few weeks ago, or about a month ago, where I took like just a break before uh, spring training started. I think it was like four or five days. But I've never not had access to it since 2009. So this is a really long period of time. I'm like having to like. I don't even know, Frank. Go back and Google things like updates, baseball scores. It's like I've never had to do that before. It's usually just refresh, refresh, look, search, you know. No, got nothing.
3: Yeah, man. Look, take your time. Make sure you get everything up and running again. I don't want to try and jump back in too quickly and make sure everything is good to go for Twitter. But you're right, man. I mean, I use it for uh, basically to find out everything that's going on in the baseball world, the real world. I mean, not that I know anything that's actually happening in the real world. Uh, but I can imagine, yeah, not having Twitter uh, makes life difficult, especially if you are you know, a fantasy sports analyst or sure. if you are a Marlins beat reporter. I'm sure it's going to make life uh, quite difficult exactly. for you. So uh, we're, root- we're rooting for you, Craig. Get the Twitter back on track. Thanks hey. very much. Can't do anything. I've tried
1: everything at this point, and uh, I'm just waiting on them. I don't know how it works, but waiting on them. Uh, okay, so uh, let's let's get updates real quick. Uh, Frank, a couple of more pitchers have some potential issues. I thought overall there wasn't a lot of negative news as far as Saturday and Sunday is concerned, but just kind of updating people on injuries. Frank, a couple more issues potentially to pitchers, and uh, one of them who you kind of like going into the year.
3: Yeah, Joe Musgrove, right? Uh, This is what happens, Craig. I get myself excited for Joe Musgrove, uh, and he looked great yesterday. I actually watched his start on television against the Toronto Blue Jays, but uh, apparently before the start, it wasn't even after the start, before the start, heading into uh, yesterday's game, he was dealing with some shoulder discomfort, so the velocity has been up for him throughout the spring. He's pitching around 94 miles per hour. The braking stuff looked good yesterday as well, Uh, but now he's dealing with some shoulder discomfort. That is Joe Musgrove of the Pittsburgh Pirates, so something to pay attention to here, Uh, and he just joins a long list, as well as Blake Snell. I think this was the big news over the weekend, Craig. Uh, Obviously, Blake Snell receiving a quarter zone shot in his left elbow. Obviously, you know, he pitches with his – he's a left-handed pitcher, so that's nothing you want to hear. And last year he got that left elbow cleaned up. I think he had, like, some uh, some bone spurs taken out there in the left elbow. So he's uh, received a quarter zone shot. It's not looking good. I don't know if he's going to be ready for opening day, but anytime you hear any type of cortisone shot to the elbow, shoulder, anything like that to the throwing arm, Craig, I mean, that's just terrible, terrible news in my opinion, especially for another pitcher who was being drafted as, you know, a top 10, top 15 starting pitcher. So, uh, again, since we've started pitchers and catchers, we've lost Severino, Clevenger, Chris Sale, has an illness, so they say. Blake Snell, Carrasco, Cole Hamels, and potentially Joe Musgrove. So the list just goes on and on. Craig, we're excited about spring training, but unfortunately, these things happen. It seems like every single year. Yeah, it does, and and that's
1: part of it. And when we started doing this a month ago, I said, Hey, look, we're going to have two of the top twenty pitchers not pitch this year. It's like sounds crazy to think, and, and here we are. I mean, we we have at least one, maybe another one. And the other thing, too, is like the auction values for Snell weren't really negatively all that much affected. And I was watching his price go, go. And I'm like, are you nuts? Like, how can possibly anybody invest in that? But, uh, you know, some of it is risk versus reward. And the other part of it is true is that if it is not serious, the only thing that you'd be sacrificing with Snell at this point is, let's be real. I mean, Frank, you said he may not be ready for opening day. Nobody that is diagnosed with a pitching injury in March plays opening day. And remember, opening day is not April 4th or April 2nd like it used to be. It's the 26th. So, it, I mean, it's not happening. I mean, could he pitch in April at some point, third time through, fourth time through? Sure, but he's got to have a spring training. So he's going to have to pitch in the Rays minor league system at least, I would think, two starts in AA, one start in AAA, and Cortisone immediately when that happens, it's like a no-throw for two weeks. So you're looking at, I think, May at, at the best-case scenario, and for Snell at this point, you would have to say if he made 27 starts, that would be a high number. I think for me in the 2020 season. All right, uh, on the show today, we'll go through everything that happened at the League of Alternative Baseball Reality. We're gonna focus on my draft, of course, because I was involved in it, and I was in the 12-team mixed-league auction. so we'll go through some of the players that I ended up getting, some of the values. We'll also talk about the players I went into that I wanted and I did not get. Frank will analyze some of those values on those players as well, and also Frank has a list of players who I should have gotten that I didn't get, and I ended up picking somebody else. So that'll be a fun discussion as well. Uh, But coming up next, it's time for a three-up, three-down right here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. Craig and Frank, we are back in just a couple of minutes with all the trending up and trending down topics in the world of news, sports, and pop culture. Don't go away.
0: DailyRoto.com Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. Now, what goes up must come down. Three up, three down.
3: What does three
1: up and three down mean to you, Airman? End of an inning.
0: All
1: right, welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Frank back here with you. Happy Monday, happy March. Good to be back with you as we approach the. Regular season of Major League Baseball. And don't forget, all this week, we start our team previews, team by team, player by player. And we'll go through it all. Uh, Wednesday, we'll be live at Roger Dean Chevrolet Stadium in uh, Jupiter, Florida. A little uh, Orioles-Marlins action. The following week, Yankees-Marlins. We'll give you previews of all the teams. We'll talk to the players who will be on your teams this season. All right, Trending Up, let's get started. I will start off with Trending Up topic number one. We had Paul DeYoung on the show last week. How has he responded? Six for his last 11, three home runs in the spring. Now, look, I know we're we're starting to get data now. We're starting to get spring training stats. It's hard not to look at those stats and at least mention them on the show. The truth is, is of course, they don't mean anything. But here's what I would ask. For those people who say that spring training stats mean nothing in fantasy baseball, I'll ask you one question. Would you rather have your guys doing well or would you rather have your guys doing poorly? I think you'd rather have your guys doing well. So if you get to the end of spring training and the players that you drafted in this part of March, let's say the first or second week of March are doing well, I think that you could take that as a positive. You don't want to overdraft anyone based on the numbers. But I mean, it's a good thing that Paul DeYoung is seeing the ball well, I would suppose, in the first week of spring training, considering the pitchers are supposed to be a little bit ahead of the hitters. So a good start for him as we start off trending uh, trending up topic number one. Also trending up, we're going to get another good heavyweight boxing fight coming up. Uh, Hey, look, it's the only fight in town right now on the heavyweight division that everybody wants to see. So Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder are going to fight again for the third time. And for those of you who say, oh, the third time, there's a reason for that. They're making a lot of money on the first time and the second time. And so... Uh, you know, relatively competitive and relatively exciting. I guess Wilder had a clause in his contract that says that if he lost the second fight, he would get to fight a third. And so here we are. And I'm going to guess a lot of people will be interested in this and fairly so. We've seen a lot of really dull boxing over the last 20 years. For Those people who don't like tacticians of boxing, you are not interested. In the floyd mayweather bouts he's dominated the boxing world for the last what 10 15 20 years and its fights are never been exciting and interesting because there's been really heavyweights. what we had the klitschko brothers nothing exciting this is pretty good for boxing to see this for a third time i think that i will tune in as long as it's not two o'clock in the morning which i'll be sleeping uh and then finally uh the labor mixed league draft this weekend another great job by baseball hq first pitch forum and everyone involved in that had it in St. Petersburg slash Clearwater, Florida. I was able to attend yesterday. We'll get into my draft. But most importantly, RT Sports uh, projects at the end of each draft who's going to finish first all the way through 12th. Of course, I am in either 11th or 12th based on projections. And virtually every single time that I'm predicted to finish first, I finish last. And every time I'm predicted to finish last, I finish near the top. So thank you very much for putting me at the bottom of those projections because obviously when you take several players who don't have strong track record and you're hoping for them to be breakout players you're taking a little risk they're not going to factor that risk in the projection
3: so that's what I got trending up Frank on this uh, Monday what do you got I'm happy you cleared that up, too, Craig, because I saw this in the trending up section on our rundown, and it said, well, if you're projected to finish last, why is that trending up? But you cleared that up for us. Uh, Anytime Craig is projected to finish near the bottom, ends up finishing near the top, and we'll get into that team a little bit later on. I do agree. I think you have some players that have some breakout potential this upcoming season. And when it comes to spring training players that I'm drafting, I actually want these players to perform badly, Craig, because... They perform too well. The ADP gets out of control. I mentioned that with Dylan Carlson last week. I mean, the guy's mashing right now. The ADP's starting to climb too high. Come on, man. Let's let's suppress his value a little bit. Let's strike out a few more times throughout spring training. Training up for me. Speaking of prospects who are pitching, uh, playing well, Nate Pearson of the Toronto Blue Jays. Craig, I don't know if you've had the chance to watch this kid pitch yet. He is absolutely filthy. I mentioned I was watching this game yesterday, Blue Jays and Pirates. Two perfect innings. He had three strikeouts. He hit 100 miles per hour on the gun yesterday. Again, it was in relief. I don't know if that's something that he can maintain as a starting pitcher throughout the course of the season. But he struck Josh Bell out on a swing that did not look like anything that even resembled baseball, Craig. So, Nate Pearson, I don't know what the ETA is looking like. Maybe it's May. Maybe it's June. Obviously, the Blue Jays have been aggressive in terms of of calling up their prospects, signing Hinjin Ryu. If they really want to show their fans that they are aggressive, he's not going to be on the team opening day. But maybe May, maybe June, uh, Nate Pearson, definitely a prospect you want to pay attention to from a fantasy perspective this season. Also trending up, Lance McCullers and Corey Kluber, two pitchers returning from injury, made their debuts in spring training yesterday. Lance McCullers faced three batters, got two out, allowed one hit, one strikeout as well. Corey Kluber, three innings pitched. They let him go a little bit further into this game that I was expecting. Two hits, two earned runs, two walks, and four strikeouts. I uh, watched back some of the highlights of Corey Kluber. The breaking stuff looked really, really good. Uh, it seemed like he struggled a little bit with command early on in this game, but uh, definitely paying attention to Corey Kluber because I've been very critical of him thus far, and I had him as my boss when we did our starting pitcher preview. So uh, he's someone that can move up or down my rankings depending on you know how he looks throughout the course of spring training here. Last but not least, it does. I didn't need, obviously, my stamp of approval because Parasite basically won all the Oscars this year, but I watched this movie on Friday, Craig, and it's very good. I've got to say, I mean, I thought it was a fantastic movie, well worth the hype, uh, a lot of commentary on socioeconomic uh, status, also some weather commentary in there as well. A uh, really, really thought-provoking movie. I thought it was fantastic, very well done. Parasite, if anyone wants to go out and check out to find out whether or not it was worth the hype, definitely worth the hype. It delivered here, Craig.
1: All right, I'll check it out, Frank. Thanks for that. Um, Yeah, I've been wanting to see it. Just haven't got around to it, but I definitely will. Okay, Okay. Uh, so here is what's trending down for me this morning. I'm going to start off with Logan Morrison's comments to MLB.com. Quote, when I'm healthy, I'm a borderline all-star. I'm healthy now. I don't see why that would change. I'm another year older, another year wiser. Wiser and Logan Morrison are not two things that have generally gone together over the past decade of him playing baseball. I'm happy he's in the big leagues, and I'm happy that he has a gig. But, uh, yeah, I didn't didn't really consider him a borderline all-star, but it doesn't shock me to hear uh, him say crazy things. Now, remember, he has been off social media and out of the spotlight for about seven or eight years. Uh, Now I believe he's married. He has a father. Uh, If I want to go back in history, I'll remember Logan Morrison at one point said, seeing women who breastfed in public was disgusting or something along those lines. I'm glad to see that he's kind of toned those things down, arguably going from single baseball player to married father with kids. Things tend to change, but he hasn't lost his uh, zest. That's certainly good to see for saying really dumb things. So uh, yeah, Logan Morrison, not a borderline all-star. Borderline MLB player is probably more like it. Uh, Secondly, uh, we heard this in the update from Sean Guastamacchia. This is trending down for me on Ken Giles. Now, uh, I'm a Ken Giles fan when he's not on the Astros. And I'm a Ken Giles fan when he's not pitching in the World Series. But, man, this feels like a little sour grapes with Ken Giles saying that he's willing to return his ring from 2017. And by the way, he's the only one that's come out and said this. So, again, the story continues because of players talking. And, again, uh, we we as media, and I'm involved in this, too, are asking the questions. And so it's good to have the players answering, answering. And it's good to have Ken Giles answering. But... Ken Giles, with all due respect to me, the skill set is there. The pitches are there. The ability is there. Up here? Not all there all the time for Ken Giles. So, for his sake, I would say probably not the best idea to say this. And essentially throwing all of your other teammates under the bus. I get it. They cheated. They deserve to be punished. But you know what, Ken Giles? Not the best job in that World Series by you. I would say. So easy to say at this point, after you fell out of favor with your manager and you were moved on to Toronto. Again, I'm a big fan of the guy. You put him on Toronto, you put him on Detroit, you put him on Kansas City, Seattle, Ken Giles going to save you 40 games with an ERA of one and a half. You trade him in July if you're, if you're uh, Toronto and you put him in the World Series, I don't know how that's going to go. But uh, trending down for me on Ken Giles. And then finally, one of my favorite hip hop rap groups uh, growing up, Public Enemy. Everybody knows Public Enemy. Hopefully, I don't know if you do, Frank. But Public Enemy in the 80s and 90s, uh, late 80s and 90s, probably the premier uh, political rap group out there. Uh, Unfortunately, over the weekend, uh, they fired Flavor Flav. Now remember, a lot of Public Enemy was Chuck D, Flavor Flav, Terminator X, uh, Professor Griff. Professor Griff left uh, the group, Terminator, or they fired from the group, Terminator X was let go. Or he ended up quitting. So it was really Chuck D and Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav in the 2000s was on MTV a lot. Uh, I believe he was married to Bridget Nielsen at one point. I don't know. He's had some crazy stuff going on. Uh, but I guess the affiliation of Chuck D allowing uh, Bernie Sanders in some way to have his song being used in the political statement of Fight the Power. Flavor Flav didn't like it. Chuck D speaks for the group. Flavor Flav doesn't speak for the group. I don't know, but it's a bad ending if indeed this is the ending for Public Enemy because still, again, one of my favorite hip-hop rap groups of the 80s and the 90s. Saw them in concert a couple of times and uh, did not want to see this story this weekend. So that's what's trending down for me, Frank.
3: Of course I know who Public Enemy is, Craig. They did a great job with Straight of Compton. All right, moving on to Uh... my trending down topics here, Craig. (laughs) Aaron Judge is set to undergo another test on his shoulder Monday after MRIs came back negative. Uh, Quote, was not right after taking swings in the batting cage Friday night. I mean, another year of the New York Yankees. More injuries to Giancarlo Stan. More injuries to Aaron Judge. Uh, And that's why I am currently snatching up Miguel Andujar, Gio Urshela, Mike Talkman, and Clint Frazier everywhere in these deeper drafts as I possibly can. Uh, Another year the Yankees are not healthy. The Philadelphia 76 they got to sneak in some NBA here, Craig. They have now lost eight straight games on the road. They are 9-22 on the road. To put that in perspective, the Hornets, who are the 10th seed in the Eastern Conference, are 12-20 and on the road this season. The Knicks, the New York Knickerbockers, we bleed blue and orange. They are also 9-22 and on the road. So to put that in perspective, the Philadelphia 76ers, a team that's supposed to be competing, Craig, cannot win on the road. That seems like a problem, especially when you go into a seven-game playoff series. All right, this is my last trending down topic. There was uh, sex on top of the Great Pyramids. Mm. Has a lo- There's, There were pictures taken by there. Andreas easy. Havid, the photographer behind the disrespectful photos, uh, taking pictures on top of the Great Pyramids of people having sex. So this is something that he does apparently uh, in crazy locations. He takes pictures, uh, very risque pictures, and now he's potentially in trouble, Craig. So uh, uh, do not pursue uh, a profession in photography, I suppose.
1: The... Uh the face of regret of doing a story brought to you by Frank Stample when we come back after the break. All right, my Labor Mixed League team. will discuss that next right here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. Don't go away.
0: DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRodo.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank stanford
1: All right, welcome back. It is fantasy sports today. Craig and Frank here with you on the show. Chris Ravona producing. A little uh, public enemy back in the intro. That's going back all the way to uh, Yo Bum Rust's show, the first album. All right, uh, Frank. So I went to uh, the League of Alternative Baseball Reality on Sunday. Were you able to uh, pay attention to the grid? Like, how how were you were you
3: monitoring this as it was going on? Because I was in it. First of all, Craig, I'm always on the grid here on Sports Grid, but I was paying attention to this throughout the course of the day uh, yesterday. Following along, uh, obviously we know auctions take a long time, a couple of hours, at least three, four hours potentially, but I was checking in uh, throughout the course of the day. I was uh, texting along with some people about who was getting the best values that were going on in this draft, and I will oh. say overall, I think that you put together a pretty good – Pretty good team here. I, I like it overall. Uh, there are a few things that I would do differently, and obviously we're going to get into those. But uh, overall, I I like this team. I don't love it. I like it.
1: Okay. So well, listen, as long as we're not last, that's that's uh, you know what we're shooting <laughs> for here. I wasn't aware that you were texting other people during the draft, though. So you were going behind my back for a little advice.
3: Uh, You know, I might have uh, texted my other co-host, Greg Sussman, about a little things that were going on throughout the course of this auction. We have an auction coming up ourselves uh, in the next couple of weeks, a 15-team auction that we do together. So obviously, look, doing an auction by yourself is, you know, obviously a ton of work as it is. Doing an auction with a co-owner is a, a little bit of a different beast. So obviously we're shooting ideas back and forth and seeing what kind of values people are going for. Uh, but yeah, you know, I was texting around a little bit, Craig. I didn't want to bother you because obviously you're in the middle of the auction. Next thing you know, you're texting me. You're trying to pay attention to your co-host Frank. You miss out on your uh, on your JT Real Muto bid, and then and then you you know you axe me. You get me off the show. So I, I didn't want that. That's
1: true. That is
3: true. Well, not the last part. But yeah, a lot of that is
1: true. And yeah, I mean, it was uh, I mean, the way I would describe it is it pretty much went the way that I thought it was going to go. I overpaid on a couple of guys. I felt like I got some good value on others. And uh, the weird part about this particular auction was I was left with the most money in the draft about three quarters of the way through because a couple of the players that I wanted at the lower values had yet to go off the board. Brian Anderson was somebody that I had pegged as my third baseman slash outfielder on the Marlins. Uh, you know, really the only Marlin who I was targeting and I uh, had to wait till the end for him. Nobody called his name out. You would think a or $2. No one called his name out at all. Uh, Tommy Edmond on the St. Louis Cardinals. It was somebody that I targeted to play all over the field and I wanted to get some steals from him too late in the draft. And he was like an $8 player that nobody called out until like the final 30 minutes. So I'm sitting there looking at my total And it must have felt like I didn't know what I was doing, but between those two and Zach Gallon, who I had to call out myself to get my money down to see how much money I was going to have left for the rest of the players because nobody was calling him out because there was a couple of people who thought they were sneaky, that they thought that they were just going to let him slide to the end. he got to the point where I was sitting with like $50 left, and because I didn't know the value of Gallon. After he'd be gone from my team, I didn't know how much money I would have left to spend, because that was a big wild card going into the draft for me. So it's kind of how it played out. And then in the end, everything you know sort of worked out. But I, I fell uh, short of a couple of benchmarks. We'll get into that in a minute. All right, so uh, let's start off, Frank. Let's take a look at the catchers that I got. And we'll start off with uh, the most money spent by anybody in the draft was by me on the two catchers, JT Realmuto for $27. And uh, Will Smith, I spent uh, $9. On Real Muto, I spent probably $3 more than I wanted to. And Will Smith, I spent about a buck or two more. And and look, I was willing to go in and do this. I knew that this was going to end up happening. I'm a big Will Smith fan going into the season. I think between these two, I'm going to get somewhere between 35 and 40 home runs. There was another team in the auction that ended up getting Gary Sanchez and Wilson Contreras for $3 less. Potentially, did they get better value? Uh, Look, I mean, that's up for other people to decide. I'm not a huge Contreras guy, and Sanchez has all the promise of having a 40 home run season. We just have to see that come to fruition. So Frank, we'll start off with the two catchers there with Real Muto and Will Smith. Real Muto was early and Smith was late.
3: Yeah, and you definitely have the best catcher tandem in the league. There's no doubt about that. JT Realmuto, twenty-seven dollars. Will Smith for nine dollars as well. And I think even saying you know you expect thirty-five to forty home runs, that's conservative. I mean, you could get upwards of forty-five to fifty home runs out of this catcher tandem. The only thing that I will bring up, Craig, is that you wound up spending twenty-seven dollars. On JT Real Muto. Is that something that you just said going in that I knew that you wanted him, obviously, and uh, I think you had him written down for like 22 or $23, 23. Week when yeah. we were talking about your targets? $23. So you, you end up spending $4 more than you expected on JT Real Muto. Looking at the landscape of the way the rest of the draft pay- played out, you spent more money on Real Muto than someone like Fernando Tatis. You spent the same amount of money on Real Muto as you as, uh, as Javier Baez went for in this draft at twenty seven dollars. Is this one of those guys that you just said, "All right, I'm going to get him no matter what the price is"? And is that something that you would, you know, advocate for people doing if they go into an auction? Like, look, if you have your guys that you just want to get no matter what, like if, even if it means spending three or four dollars more on that player, that you're going to get that player. Is that something that you just knew going in that you were going to you were going to get him no matter what? Well, I mean, it, I, I
1: think that, Frank, it's a little bit of an apples and oranges uh, point that you're trying to make there. And honestly, I don't think it's a... it's it's from, from the outside looking in, I suppose that that's the way it's viewed. But from the inside looking out, I would tell you that catcher is the weakest position in fantasy. And the fact that we have to roster two catchers in any fantasy league these days, whether it's 15 teams, 12 teams, uh, AL or NL, makes no sense to me whatsoever. And uh, the landscape of catching, I mean... To me, I would rather spend $36 on the two that I got as opposed to spending $6 for Buster Posey and Yadier Molina. and Because I just don't think that you're getting anything from that position. Um, I wanted to get elite guys in that spot. I've been down this road with Real Muto before and it's worked for me. I didn't back him up with another catcher over the last couple of years. And I felt like that was something that I should have done a better job of. And that's why it ended up being Will Smith. So I would say that with Real Muto... Uh, the, the situation just was uh, I had him at 23. He kept going higher. Uh, it, it was painful to go that extra dollar, but I also didn't want to look back in the end and say I could have got him for 25, 26, and I didn't even try. Um, okay, so moving over to first base and corner infield, um, I got Josh Bell of the Pittsburgh Pirates for $14 and Edwin Encarnacion, who could be my first baseman or be my corner infielder for $10, a total of $24, Frank. For 70 75 home runs. I mean, I, I think that these were two players I did very well with. Uh, I was in on every first baseman, Goldschmidt, Rizzo, uh, all of the guys that that qualified at first to see if I could get them in that $16, $17 range. Frank, I feel fortunate that I got Josh Bell. I felt like he was below value, and Edwin Encarnacion was pretty much the, the price that I wanted to pay on him.
3: Yeah, and I really like the price that you got Josh Bell at $14. I don't really think that his projection is that dissimilar from someone like Goldschmidt, who went for 20 and Anthony Rizzo, who went for $17, as you mentioned. And to put that in perspective for some people out there, Josh Bell went for the same price as Reese Hoskins, and I have Josh Bell, you know, ranked in a tier above Reese Hoskins, obviously going to help you a little bit more batting average out of Josh Bell, uh, and potentially similar power numbers as well out of Josh Bell. He also went for a dollar less than Trey Mancini, so I I really like the value that you got uh, on Josh Bell. I like both of these players at this value. You know, I, I like what you put together more so with the first base position in terms of uh, value uh, versus projections uh, go, uh, uh, up against what you did at the catcher position. So Encarnacion, one of the best lineups in the American League, as I mentioned. I'm very bullish on the White Sox this year. Even last year, he wound up missing time, still hit over 30 home runs. It seems like that's his floor. He's going to give you 30 home runs. He's going to give you 85-plus ribbies at least, You know, maybe 120, 130. 30 games, uh, going to hurt your batting average a little bit, but Encarnacion, someone that I'm looking at as a great value, especially as a corner infielder, I think most people wouldn't mind getting him even as like a lower end first baseman, Craig.
1: Yep, and Josh Bell, I don't think will will uh, hurt my average at all. If not, it'll help. All right, uh, second base and middle infield, uh, dipping into good teams is kind of what I did um, with a lot of this, honestly. Um, you know, Max Muncie is going to play for the uh, most likely the NL West champs, if not the NL champs. And uh, I got to tell you, I mean, I think Gavin Lux is a strong Rookie of the Year candidate. I saved my money for him at the end. I had him at about $4. He went for 5 but I was able to push it up because I had it. And look, I know that Muncie is more valuable, Frank, in an OBP league as opposed to an average league, but they just gave this guy an extension. And again, I'm looking at, I think, probably close to 50 home runs from the middle infield position. So as I'm chasing 300 home runs in this league... And when RT Sports looks at my projections, what are they gonna have Gavin Lux's home runs at for the season, Frank? Four, five, six? I mean, he's a 20 home run guy in my mind. That's why I went $5 on him. I'll put Gavin Lux as my middle infielder and Muncie, I get to play at second.
3: And what I really like most that you did with your team, Craig, is that it's a really good balance of safe floor players and players that have upside as well. So to me, you know, you got the Edwin Encarnacion, you have the Josh Bell's, you have the Max Muncies, all players who have safe floor. And then you mix that in with someone like Gavin Lux, who obviously has a ton of upside regarded as one of the top prospects in baseball. You know, some people might be scared off by the playing time concerns, but again... With a prospect of that status, um, I think that they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed here with the Dodgers. And, you know, last year, what he did in the minor leagues was just absolutely ridiculous, Craig. OPS over 1,000, 347 batting average, 26 home runs, 10 stolen bases, has a little bit of a power speed combination. The hit tool is there for him as well. And when I had James Anderson on the show a couple of weeks ago from RotoWire, uh, prospect analyst there, He said that it wouldn't surprise him if Gavin Lux actually outproduces someone like Luis Robert, who's going for way more money in auctions, who's going way higher in drafts this upcoming season. The one thing that I will say, and I think we've kind of established that you're more of a Max Muncy guy than I am. When I see Kesson Hira go for $1 more, when I see Jonathan VR go for $1 more, I would rather kind of dip into players like that. Kesson Hira, uh, Jonathan VR, who I think have a little bit more power-speed combination. But if what you want out of Max Muncy is... 30 plus home runs, good counting stats. You know, a 250 to 260 batting average. That's exactly what you're going to get. But Craig, when I when I look at the middle infield, the second base position, I want a little bit more stolen bases. Uh, someone that could do a little bit of everything. And to me, Jonathan Villar and Kessin Hira fit that mit, uh, that mold more so. But if this is what you were going for with Max Muncie, then I think uh, what you're expecting is exactly what you're going to get out of him. I personally would have just tried to go that one dollar further for a for a Hira or Javier Baez, in my opinion
1: yeah and again with um, yeah with with here uh, again a second year player you don't know how he's going to react in terms of VR I love the player I just don't know on August 1st where he's going to be Frank is he going to be a starter is he going to be an extra guy will he be on the Marlins at that point I may get two months of less production so a little bit of a concern for me that he's not on Miami after the trade deadline Uh, but coming up next we'll dive into the third base corner infield and then outfield positions my reserves and my pitchers in labor don't go away
0: Sports today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford.
1: Welcome back, fantasy sports today. Craig and Frank here with you until one o'clock Eastern. The League of Alternative Baseball Reality is considered one of the premier expert fantasy drafts in the country. I had a chance to participate for the first time in labor on Sunday as I was in the 12 team mixed league draft auction. I guess he would just call it mixed league auction. I think that sounds better. Uh would you know obviously Frank, you prefer some of these mixed leagues to be a little deeper, I would think, you know, make it a little bit more challenging. Uh 15 teams, something like that, but it was 12 teams. And so uh therefore a lot of the cheaper options in the end were pretty good options as well. Players for two, three, four dollars are going in the only leagues for 15, 20 bucks.
3: Yeah, that's something I noticed as well. Really good values on the uh, mid options, the mid to late options here in this auction. And I've got to apologize, Craig, first and foremost. When I was giving you auction values on Friday, that was for 15-team mixed leagues over at the NFBC. I thought this was a 15-team mixed league. When I pulled it up yesterday and I only saw 12 teams, I said, wait a second. Where's the three other teams? I thought this was a 15-team mix All auction. Right. So uh, apologies, sir. I hope I didn't throw off your auction values too no, much. No. But for the most part, you you wound up with a lot of the players that you wanted to anyway. Uh, but apologies, man. I thought this was a 15-team mix. I didn't know it was 12.
1: Yeah, uh, ended up being 12. Okay, so uh, let's uh, go into the shortstop that I took. And uh, really, only one guy I have qualifying at shortstop. So uh, hopefully nothing happens to Manny Machado because he's the only one that I have and he qualifies there because of the playing time last year with Patis going down with an injury. Probably the last time Machado will qualify at shortstop in fantasy. Uh, $22 price, I was willing to pay 23 24 Frank, I don't need to spend a lot of time on him. I'm drafting him in every fantasy league this year. There are, There is so much power around him, so much speed around him. The Padres lineup is very much improved. I think the Padres are going to be an improved team in baseball this season, which puts them to me in like the 80-85 win mark. I don't know if that's enough to get them to the postseason or not. But uh, they brought in a lot of Machado's uh, coaches as well, too. I just like the player. I think that he's primed for a pretty big breakout. Uh, You know, Potentially he could get me seven or eight steals, maybe 10 on the high number. I'm getting 30 home runs. I think I'm getting more runs driven in. I'm getting more runs this season. And that was a low for batting average for him last year, too. I think he gets back to 260, 270.
3: And we've seen him bounce back before from a bad performance. Back in 2017, he had a down season. 2018, bounced back and had a huge year. That was the year he was with the Orioles and the Dodgers, if you remember that correctly. I'm with you, man. I like Manny Machado a lot. He has the dual position eligibility, shortstop, and third base. I think he and Javier Baez represent two of the biggest values going in the early rounds of drafts. Guys that were former first round picks that you're getting you know, anywhere from rounds three to five right now, and obviously uh, at a suppressed cost in auctions right now as well. Craig, the one thing I'll throw back your way when it comes to Machado, seeing players like Xander Bogart go for $20 and Glaber Torres go for $20. I have both of those guys ranked higher than Machado. As much as I do like Machado this season, I, I do like those players a little bit more. Any regret there when you know you could have got someone like Glaber or Xander Bogart for a cheaper price than Manny Machado? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's
1: I think it's a fair assessment on both. But again, I'm more in on Machado than I am those other two players. Uh, I I think in particular, Bogarts with the batting average gives you a lot more, but I think there's more home run potential than Machado. And if you're buying in on Torres, you're buying in on the home run season that he had last year. And I think Machado is ball-proof. I think that he is park-proof. And, um, you know, again, once you commit to a player at a certain price early on in the draft, you look back later and you think, maybe I could have got him for a dollar or two less, but I really wanted the player. So I think that's a fair point on your part. Okay, uh, third base corner infield. This is where I went a little bit on the cheaper side here. Uh, I uh, the interesting part of this draft is here's where I had the regret where I was going back and forth with Adam Ronis on Johan Mancata. I probably could have gotten him for a dollar more and sacrificed like an AJ Puck or someone like that uh, at a pitcher maybe on Urk or Kitty or something I could have gone to twelve and gotten him instead of Tommy Edmund that was a possibility for me. But uh, I went to 9, I went to 10, I went to 11. I think that he got him at 12 or 11, and that was a regret. I probably should have gone that extra dollar, but I ended up with Edmund, who definitely, to me, is going to steal a lot more bases, and I need those stolen bases for sure uh, from Edmund going into the season. I'm going to need 15 to 20 for him, so I'm going to need 400 plate appearances. And a little bit uncertain, there is some risk there, and again, you can't figure in him into a lot of the projections. So um, I'm going to take a shot there with Edmund and hope for the best, Brian Anderson, I think, is poised for a pretty big breakout year. I think 25-30 home runs is possible. And again, what's the thing about these two players, Frank? Even though it's not as important in a 12-team league, I could put Edmund anywhere. I could put Anderson at third base of the outfield.
3: So I got some flexibility there. But Edmund was a key player for me in the end game, Frank, because I needed steals. I definitely agree with you in terms of Yuan Mankata. If you could have got him you know, at that $12 price tag, you wound up going for $11 to Adam Ronis. I agree with that I would rather have him over you know, either Brian Anderson or Tommy Edmund. But I think the way that you wound up with these uh, third base and corner infield options, you actually wound up pretty good. I like Brian Anderson as well. Uh, we've spoken about the new hitting coach with the Miami Marlins. Potentially we see them lift the ball a little bit more. Uh, and if Brian Anderson does that, I agree. He's someone I think can hit 25 to 30 home runs, maybe even chip in 5 to 7 stolen bases uh, with a solid batting average. We know he makes a lot of contact. Tommy Edmond, I think he is going to give you steals. You know, 15 steals last year in 92 games. Uh, He does have a season with 30 stolen bases in the minor leagues as well. Super utility bat for the Cardinals. Can play in the outfield. Can play middle infield, corner infield, whatever is asked of the St. Louis Cardinals. The one thing that I will say, and I don't own any Edmond yet, they have a lot of options all around in terms of outfield. They have Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson's mashing in the spring right now. They have a lot of infield options as well. Uh, obviously, Matt Carpenter is someone who needs to stay healthy. But, Craig, any concern over Edmund where if he doesn't perform early in the season that he gets reduced to a bench role just because, obviously, the Cardinals are competing and they have a lot of options on that team? I mean, that's the one thing that I'll throw back your way in terms of Edmund. But if he gets, you know... 400, 500 plate appearances this year, I think 10 to 12 home runs, You know, close to 20 stolen bases, maybe even more with a solid batting average, 280, uh, I think is within the realm of possibility for Tommy Edman. I think that's all doable for him, but I just do have the concern that there are a lot of options there if he struggles early on with the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's to be said for a lot of young players for sure, and he is definitely one of those sophomore type players that's going to have to avoid the slump. And your point is also well taken on Carlson. From everything that I hear, see, read, and speak to, I don't think Carlson, no matter what he does, is going to start the season at the big leagues with St. Louis. And to me, that's the bigger factor, is that their left field situation is very murky at the moment, so I think he gets playing time there. Uh, Carpenter, I don't even know what Carpenter is at this point, Frank. I, I, I do think that Edmund is going to get his 400 plate appearances, however you slice it. And even if his batting average regresses by 20 points, I still think he's giving me 20 steals. And again, I um, you know, Edmund I had at eight, Brian Anderson I had at six, so I got those prices where I wanted to. All right, uh, now to the outfield, and where the most money was spent clearly was on uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. $48 was the most spent by any player in the auction, and I-, I thought that he was a $50 player, so I was thrilled to get him at 48 I had him at 50 Um, and then it was basically I went on the cheap the rest of the way, Frank. Uh, David Dahl was a player I had at eight. He went for four. I mean, I don't understand why no one's interested in, in Shogo Akiyama on the Reds. I mean, they, they paid this guy a lot of money. They're going to pay him to not play? Makes no sense to me whatsoever. I had him at five. I had him. I got him at four. I had Lorenzo Cain at eight. I got him at three. And then Dyson, I don't think anybody was interested in. But I don't think that people realize this, Frank. From April, May, June, and July, Gerard Dyson's going to play, and he's going to steal 20 bases with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They Or the Pittsburgh Steelers. With the Pittsburgh Pirates. They have no other options. Oh, why it's Steelers? They have no other options in the outfield outside of Reynolds. There's nothing legitimate out there. So I am thrilled on Dyson. And I think that adds to my total. Kane, I think, is severely underrated. He's 10 home runs, 10 steals. And clearly, let's circle Akiyama. Because again, in every projection, Frank, that's done on RT Sports, what do they have Akiyama projected as? Three home runs, two steals, 10 RBIs? I'm going to need Shogo Akiyama to hit 15 home runs and drive in 50. And I think he will.
3: Yeah, I think that's all within the realm of outcomes for Shogo Akiyama this year. And I do like him as a later-round outfield uh player. option this upcoming season. David Dahl, I think still has a lot of potential. I mean, the hit tool is there. It's just a matter of health when it comes to David course, Dahl. He hasn't yeah. been able to stay healthy in his career, but obviously playing in Coors Field, he has the advantage there. He's going to hit in the middle of that lineup. He was performing well last year. It's just a matter of him staying on the field. So, you know, the the two things I would have done differently here and I love the Lorenzo Cain call $3. I mean, that is just egregious. There's no way you should be able to get Lorenzo Cain for $3 and and you said a 10-10 player. I think he's a player who can hit, you know, 12 to 15 home runs and steal 20 bases with a solid batting average that's not going to hurt you either, so I think you're even a little bit conservative on the projection when it comes to Lorenzo Kane, and just rounding out the outfield here, Ronald Acuna $48, I mean his price right now in 15 team leagues over at the NFBC is over 50 In 12-team leagues, you have more money to spend. He should be a $50 player. So you get Ronald Acuna at $48. I thought that that was a job well done as well. The only thing that I would have done differently here is, Craig, aren't you basically expecting Shogo Akiyama to be you know, a 15-15 player, good OBP, obviously going to get on base and score a lot of runs with Cincinnati? To me... That's basically what Adam Eaton has already done in his career. So that, this is just me nitpicking. Honestly, I, I like the way this outfield turned out. Uh, and then David Dahl, uh, for $4 you could have had Willie Calhoun and just someone I have ranked a little bit higher than David Dahl. I still think that the breakout potential is there for Willie Calhoun. This is the final, se- uh, the first season. They're finally giving him an opportunity to play every single day right out of the gate on opening day. doesn't have to worry about his job, and I think that's going to do wonders for Willie Calhoun. I think he's someone that can hit you know, 270-plus, approach 30 home runs. Good counting stats in that Texas Rangers lineup as well. Uh, so I'd rather have Eaton over Akiyama. I'd rather have Willie Calhoun over David Dahl. But I love the buys on uh, on Ron Lacuna. I love the buys on Lorenzo Kane. Uh, and I think, I agree with you, Gerard Dyson's probably going to give you 25 stolen bases. That's exactly what he does every single season, Craig.
1: Yeah, and he'll get moved in July. But what is the common denominator with all of the outfielders after, uh, and, and for good reason, you're looking at my batting averages at the other players that we had Acuna, batting average. Dahl, batting average. Akiyama, batting average. Kane, batting average. And Dyson, potentially 250, 260, batting average. None of those guys are going to hurt me. And I had to pick that up a little bit as we got a little bit later into the draft. Um, real quick, let's take a look at my reserves here and then we'll close out the hour. Um, Miguel Andujar, uh, Sam Hilliard, uh, two players that, you know, floor upside Hilliard with a possibility of playing. In Colorado, and Duhar is going to need to get the playing time and is going to need some injuries to continue. And that's kind of why I did that. Honestly, Frank texted me, Take Anti car That's why I did it. but so we'll talk about those two players next, and we'll get into some of my pictures here as Sports Grid continues on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com.
0: Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice.